Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. So excited to be back with you as we begin a new school year, and I'm excited to be launching new episodes now on a weekly basis beginning with September 2020. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and I'm so excited to be with you as we continue to tell the story about how to reimagine schools and what we can do to create better schools for kids. My guest today is an old friend of the podcast, Jethro Jones, and Jethro is one of the early edu podcasters. He's been hosting the Transformative Principles podcast since 2013. It's a great podcast. You certainly want to check that out. Again, that's the Transformative Principle podcast. Jethro also has a new book that has just been released, and we're going to talk about it in depth in this episode. The name of the book is School X, How Principles Can Design a transformative school experience for students, teachers, parents, and themselves. Jethro Jones is a longtime school administrator, uh, most recently working in Alaska. He's a 2017 National Secondary School Principals Association Digital Principal of the Year award recipient. So he's the real deal, folks, and this is a great conversation about what we can all do to think differently and design schools to meet the needs of 21st century kids. So kick back, relax. I hope you enjoy this one. The Reimagine Schools podcast begins right now. I'm Lance Key, co-host of Get Inspired and Innovate, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagine Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. We are back in the saddle once again for another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Very excited to bring an old friend to the podcast back, Jethro Jones. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. Thanks so much, Greg, for having me back on the program. I'm excited to talk with you again. Well, you're, a, you're actually one of my EduPod heroes. You've been doing your Transformative Principle podcast since 2013. And when I saw that doing a little uh, legwork for our discussion today, that just blows my mind. You have to be a passionate guy to be podcasting that long. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, every time I do it, I think, man, that was the best interview that I've done. And the one that just released with Derek Sivers, I've been wanting to interview him for years. And it was um, an awesome, awesome thing. So, uh, yeah, I just love doing it. And it's it's totally worth it. Well, Jethro is one of the uh, early adopters of the podcast format for school leadership. You certainly want to check out his podcast the transformative leader. It's, it's a good one, folks. You want to check that out. Certainly want to follow Jethro and all the social medias at Jethro Jones. And then we're going to talk about your new book here coming up in just a few minutes. Let's talk first about uh, your big move. You were in Alaska for a while. Last time we talked, now you're in Spokane, Washington. And uh, what's yep. the, what's the move been like? 
Well, the move has been great. It's kind of weird to move during a pandemic, as you can imagine, but it's been uh, really good and we've really enjoyed moving down here. And uh, the plan was to, uh, to start doing consulting, um, which you know I'm doing. So check out my website, Jethro Jones, and we can talk about that. Um, but then also with this pandemic, um, school's just not working out for some people. So I'm also starting a school um, called SDL Academy. And I just made that name up. So it's, uh, it's, it encompasses the ideas that, uh, that I put forth in the book. And um, so if people are interested in that, sdl.academy is, is the website for that. And you can look that up and, and uh, certainly looking for people to give feedback and ideas about how that's going to work. So connect with me there as well. You know, that's another one of the things I've always admired about you. And I love having the conversation about, uh, you know, just having this, drive and commitment to reimagine schools and to kind of redirect people and how they think about what schools should look like. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the whole purpose. This all started for me when I was uh, uh, 16 and a half and I moved from um, Sacramento to here to Spokane, Washington, where I graduated from high school and I got my first taste of school um, being really different. And I, I learned that um, school doesn't have to be the way that it is. I took my first independent study course at that time and realized that I could get through a course much faster than how fast my teachers were going through it. And I had always been uncomfortable with how school worked. I moved around a ton. And this was a, a, an opportunity for me to realize that I didn't have to do it the same way as everybody else. And that just carried through as a, as a teacher, as a district coach, um, and as a school principal later on. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on air before we came on, but uh, the remote learning has almost become a dirty word in a lot of households. And, and I know it's frustrating. I know it's putting extra stress and pressure on teachers as well as parents. But I think you and I both agree that it's providing some unique opportunities to really redefine how teaching and learning can happen. Yeah, and I think that's the real point. We've got a great opportunity right now with the pandemic, with all that's going on, to redesign our schools to meet our students' needs. And what I fear a lot of people are trying to do is to recreate what we've done in the past. And really what we need to do is take advantage of all the uncertainty, all the challenges that we have, and really redesign our schools to meet the needs of those who are sitting in front of us. Which means that a school in New Jersey is gonna be different than a school in Washington, which is gonna be different than a school in Spokane. And within each of those cities, there's going to be different schools as well because you have different kids sitting in front of you. You have different teachers who bring different skill sets to the profession. And we need to focus on people's strengths and really help them live uh, according to what they're really good at and not um, force them into something that they're not very good at. And you know, I was uh, checking my Twitter feed this morning, like I always do, and uh, right. some 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 great thought leaders out there. And one thing that kind of you know kind of hit me square in the face: someone tweeted out that, uh, that one of the schools had sent home rules for remote learning, and there's a, right. this long list of rules. One of them was that you had to have shoes on. And, oh, and I'm I'm thinking of all the things we have to worry about right now. Why do we need to send home a list of things? you know, X, Y, and Z for remote learning when the goal should be just to get connected, get on, you know, be engaged and actually take part in the learning process, even if it is in an online format. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a really good ex example of, of where we're missing the mark. It's not, it's not about compliance. It's about learning. And that's what it should be about. And if we can focus on the learning, then we're going to find much greater success everywhere. And as we allow kids to, to live how they need to live to be successful, we can really make that learning happen more than we ever have before. Um, a quick story about that, you know, in, in Fairbanks at the middle school I was at, we um, did a lot of work to help students focus on driving their own learning so that it wasn't just about them doing whatever we said. We made it open-ended and, you know, right now that's the perfect opportunity for us to do um, different kinds of learning because we can really let kids do their own thing and let them and let them dis discover their own ways of learning that we just haven't given them the opportunity to before. And when we did that, we saw that kids passed off more standards, had better behavior, and focused more on schoolwork uh, than they did before. So kids who were really challenging, when we allowed them to choose the things they were interested in, um, then and then as adults, we followed behind them and attached standards to what they were doing we found they, they did all those things and it was really amazing to see how quickly that happened. And, and you know, you spent quite a while as a school principal in the state of Alaska and there's nothing more remote in my mind than Alaska. Right. So you've, you've already, you know, tackled a lot of those challenges head on. You're a 2017 uh, NASSP uh, National Digital Principal of the Year. Think about technology in, in the lens that now it is the textbook or now it is the direct instruction and how mm -hmm. teachers have to kind of reinvent themselves. They can no longer teach the way they did in that stand and deliver format, you know, the, the four brick walls of the classroom. Yeah. You know, one of my really great teachers up in Fairbanks, um, he said, this, this stuff is so challenging for me because I'm a stand and deliver kind of guy. And, and this is really hard because I can't do that anymore. He said, I got all my energy from that interaction and banter with the kids from that me standing in front of the room and, and teaching them directly. And this just doesn't work for me. And what I, what I hope he and every other teacher who's feeling like that feels is that's not really what made it amazing. What made it amazing was the relationships that you built with the kids. And if you are a teacher and you're struggling with this pandemic and how we're teaching now, you can still build those relationships with kids. That's probably what your strength is, is building those relationships. And I would double down on that and do whatever you can to build those relationships. And you may have restrictions or expectations from the district about what you're supposed to do during this distance learning time. But if you put that first and you help those kids know that they matter to you as human beings first and foremost, you're going to find success and you're going to be able to recreate that feeling of community and support in your classroom. Now, some people that may not be what it's all about for them. They may not care about the stand and deliver that some teachers are actually really thriving in this environment because they're able to do things in a different way than they've ever been able to do them before. So again, I want to go back to the idea of what is your strength? Find out what your strength is and double down on that and use that as extensively as you can. And those other things will follow along as they need to. And I'd love for you, if you, if you feel like you, uh, this is impossible, you can't do it, 
I would love to have a conversation with you about how to identify your strength and show that you can do it. And that would be, and that would be such an exhilarating conversation for me. So please reach out if you feel like I'm, I'm saying that you asking you to do something that you feel is impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great advice. And you can uh, contact Jethro at jethrojones.com. The book website is schoolx.me. And then you can always uh, connect with Jethro on his Twitter. Uh, You're doing a lot of consulting. You're doing what you can to help folks. And I like your tagline, simple solutions to complex problems. There are simple solutions out there. We just, sometimes we need that push to kind of discover what they are. Right. And usually the simplicity is is what works because people can understand it. And so the the challenge that we have is that, you know, in my district here in Washington, um, they're doing what what they're calling real-time distance learning, which means basically you get on line at 8.30 in the morning and you get off at three o'clock. And I think that they have some reasons for doing that. Um, But, but that's a really, that's a simple solution, but I don't know that that's, that's the best solution to me having, you know, all the same exact number of hours that you're supposed to be online when you're at home. To me, that just doesn't sound like a good idea. We don't actually need all those hours to learn what we need to learn. And people last year, I was a principal of a homeschool program in Alaska and the homeschool families, they don't spend the exact same number of hours every single day, let alone for the whole year on schooling. You know, there's a lot of different ways to learn. So when we talk about finding simple solutions to complex problems, what we really need to do is find out what really matters. What's the thing that we're actually, that we actually care about? What do we want to focus on? And then we focus on that and we let a bunch of other stuff go. So if the idea is for kids to be able to learn and, you know, let's talk about social emotional learning because that's what everybody hopefully is really paying attention to right now. How do you make sure that people are taking care of themselves socially emotionally? You make sure that they know that you care about them and you make sure that they know where to go if they need help. Now, that's really simple. That simplifies social and emotional learning, but that's really what it's about. The person knows that they're cared about because when you know you're cared about, then you start acting differently because you know somebody's paying attention. Somebody who loves you, you don't want to disappoint them. So you start changing your behavior, making better choices. Those things are really simple. And so we can take this whole big idea of what social emotional learning is and boil it down to a really simple concept, which is each student knows that there's an adult who loves them. Or as uh, Rita, that lady who gave the TED talk, Rita Pearson, she said, every kid deserves a champion. And so you be a champion for that student. That's really simple, Greg, but that takes care of so many other problems. And as a principal, as a teacher, when I cared about people, And when I made sure they knew that I cared about them, their behavior changed because then we had a relationship. And I'm sure you've experienced that uh, leader that you've had who made you feel like you were the only person that mattered to them. That's happened to me with a bunch of different leaders and it hasn't happened with other leaders. And I know for those where they made me feel like I was the only one who mattered, I wanted to do everything I could to support them, to help them, to honor them and respect them. And it makes a huge difference when you do that. So I really do believe we have all these complex issues in education. They're hard. I totally get it. But we often make the the responses and the solutions to those even more challenging by making them more complex. The solutions need to be really simple. And you can find a lot of these solutions in the new book. So let's dive into School X a little bit. 
And let's just begin with the title and the cover. I, I'm always fascinated when I talk to, to new authors about how you came up with the concept, the title, and, and then you have a beautiful butterfly on, on, the, uh, on the cover. So kind of give us a little bit of background about those two things. Yeah, so School X is, is really uh, the, the field of user experience is what I was trying to do is combine that with school leadership. And so um, user experience is, is what people do to make your iPhone and your Android devices a pleasure to use so that you wanna spend all day on them, right? And we don't take that approach in school. We have compulsory education and you're forced to be there. But if we did take that approach and we said, what could we do to make kids want to be at our school all the time? That could really change things. So it's combining user experience design with school design. And that's what the whole book is about. It's really about focusing on the people that are there in front of you and designing a school specifically for them. And then I chose a butterfly because I've loved the, the idea of a butterfly signaling transformation and how a caterpillar is this ugly, gross little bug that is just creepy and it turns into this beautiful thing that is a butterfly. And, and so that's what I want us to think about as we look at this book, that I can transform my school into something that is really designed for the people that are in front of me. Well, it, it's a fantastic read. And you know, as well as I do as a podcast host, we talk to a lot of authors. You just can't read all the books that are out there. Right. But I have read yours. So, and it is outstanding, folks. You definitely want to to get this book, School X, fantastic insight from, from Jethro Jones. The thing I really like about it is the way it was divided up in the, into the four sections of leader, teacher, student, and parent, and community member. What was kind of the, the mindset in that organization? Yeah, so um, I want it to be a different kind of book uh, without just a bunch of chapters, and I want it to really focus on the, that person's experience. And I start with the leader because the leader really needs to be the person who changes themselves first. And if you're not willing to change yourself, you can't expect anybody else to be willing to change their practices. So I focus on the leader, get them to change themselves first. And then each of those other areas, what I really want you to do is put yourself in the shoes of those other people who are experiencing your school and try to think about what that is like. And I had an experience where, um, I was a first or second year assistant principal and I was at just figuring out how to lead. And I had someone uh, tell me that I was really intense and very scary. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Cause I don't think that I'm a scary guy, but, but this person did. And so she said, well, you're not so scary. It's just that you're so sure of your ideas. I don't feel like I can ever argue with you. And I thought, man, I have never felt that way before. I've never had anybody give me that feedback. I've never felt like that has been an issue. I always thought we're just two adults having a conversation. I didn't recognize the power differential. And when I said something, then it had a meaning because I was a leader. And so what I did then is I created these communication cards and I said, okay, I know that it's difficult to talk to your boss. I've had that trouble also. So what I want to do with these communication cards is give you a sentence frame to start having a conversation. And the whole point of this communication cards that you would give to me and say, I have a problem or I need your help solving a problem or I just need to vent. When you give that card to me, then you say, um, this is how you need to react Jethro. And so I would tell teachers, okay, here's the card. 
here's how you use it and here's how I'm going to respond. So no matter what I do, um, whatever I feel, I'm going to act in this specific way because I wanted teachers to feel comfortable coming and talking to me. I didn't want them to feel like they couldn't um, approach me about something or, or disagree with me on an issue. I wanted them to feel comfortable that they could. So I made those communication cards and totally changed the communication because I was starting to understand how they might feel approaching me about something. And afterward, that teacher who said that I was scary and intimidating, she said um, that I was the, the one that she could actually go to when there was trouble, that I was the one that she knew would listen after I implemented those cards because I was thinking about what her experience was like receiving it. And so, you know, she used those cards all the time and said, I just need to vent. So don't give me any ideas. Just let me, let me go and let me just ex express my frustration. And then you can, you can, you know, do whatever you want with that, but I just need to get it out. So don't tell me how to fix it. And being that open and that communicative about it made it really easy for her to start changing her behavior as well and have a lot more trust in me that I was going to do what I said I was going to do. You know, I think too many times as principals, even as superintendents, things are moving so fast. It's so fluid day to day. And you just want to cross off one more thing on that to-do list. I used to call it putting out fires. I'd tell my secretary and my staff, how many fires do we have to put out today? And it, it, yeah. could, be, it could be exhausting. It could be overwhelming. But to, to be able to take the time to spend uh, with each individual in your school and actually have those authentic conversations is so valuable to build relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, on my business card right here, it says, uh, stop putting out fires and start leading. I mean, that is, that is what I'm all about. And in the book, I want you to take it a step further. Stop putting out fires, stop leading and start designing your school for those that are there. And that's what happens when you have these authentic, real conversations with the people that are there. You start to learn what they really need to be successful. And it's more than just solving problems. It's more than just having a vision. It's about having a vision and then designing your school to meet that vision. And it's possible, even within the constraints that we have in our districts, even within the challenges that we face every day with whatever could be there, and especially now during the coronavirus situation, we've got a great opportunity to redesign our schools. We've already been forced to redesign so much. Let's continue redesigning and redesign them in a way that they're really serving the families that they're supposed to be serving. And, you know, for a long time, um, you know, I, I don't know what your take is on this, but in my mind over the years, the term principal has changed greatly. At one time, it was really about being the gatekeeper, being the disciplinarian, and there are still elements of that. And then at one time, everyone kind of wanted to be the lead learner of their school. That was the next right. thing. And I thought that was a, a nice step forward. You've kind of taken it to another level now in being the lead developer of your school, mm -hmm. our lead designer. And I think this idea of design thinking, which is not a new concept, but I think it is a new concept in education for a lot of folks that are looking for a way to kind of make a, a, a bigger impact across the board. Yeah, and, and it really can be that because what the design thinking process does is it forces you to empathize with the people that are experiencing whatever you're talking about. Then it forces you to really redefine what the problem is and then provide a solution to that problem. And then you're going to 
you're going to provide a solution and it may or may not work. And more often than not, it doesn't work. And that's part of the process. And that's what's great about it is you've, you try something and if it didn't get the results you desire, you just try it again. And, and here's the real power in this, Greg, is that if you have a whole school with this as their mindset, then the whole school can be constantly redesigning and adjusting things to meet the needs of those who are in front of you. And that's where it's really powerful. So for example, at a middle school in Kodiak, Alaska, we had a, a problem where kids were not getting lunch. And you know, we were like, why aren't kids getting lunch? That's ridiculous. We have plenty of food the we know everybody can get lunch and so you know we went and found these kids and said why aren't you getting lunch and they said no i just wasn't hungry and we knew that that wasn't true because teenagers are hungry okay so maybe they didn't like the food but we knew that we had good food we caught fresh alaska seafood and served that as part of our school lunch so it was amazing and it was so good i always ate lunch on those days <laughs> and and it was great um, so there was something else. So we observed and we watched to see what happened. And what we saw was kids would come into the cafeteria and they would sit down with their friends and talk. And then those who were in line would go through the line and then they would, the kids would get back up and go get lunch. The problem was, is that the lunch ladies who were incredibly efficient because we had three lunches, um, they would start cleaning up as soon as the last kid went through. So these kids went back up and the lunch ladies would already be done cleaning up and they'd say, oh, okay, now I got to go get that back out and, you know, take time and, and it would be a pain. And what we realized was that kids thought the line moved too slowly. So they, um, so they would go sit down. So we said, okay, we can solve this problem. So we stood in there, myself and the assistant principal, and we said, if you have a lunch in your hand, you can go sit down. Otherwise you need to stand in line. So we got this big line and, um, and kids still snuck out of the line and went and sat down with our friends and then went back after lunch was already cleaned up. And we thought that should have solved it because we forced everybody to do it, right? Well, what we didn't realize was that they didn't want to wait in line that long because they want to socialize with their friends. So we figured out a way to make it so they could get through the line much faster. And, um, and I don't remember the exact number, but it went from something like 43 seconds per kid. We actually timed it to see how long it took them from the time they got to the got their lunch to checking out, took 43 seconds per kid. And then by the time we were done, it took 11 seconds once we implemented a different solution. But we had to get in there, we had to see what they were feeling, we had to interview them, we had to watch them, we had to pay attention. And this is like a super little thing, right? The lunch line. It's not like the end of the world. It's not the most important thing in your school. But what did it teach us? It taught us that when we cared enough about the students, to make the lunch process smooth, they recognized that we cared enough about them as human beings that we would do other things to help support them. And that's what is so important. So we tried two or three different things. They didn't work. What we finally did is put two computers for them to enter their lunch number. And once we did that, that's where the bottleneck was. Kids got through much faster and we had zero more problems with kids, um, <laughs> with kids, uh, not getting their lunch. And that was it. It was this simple, simple thing, but it made a huge difference. And nobody had problems with lunch and they appreciated what we did for them. And, and you know, I think that's a great segue into your chapter three, which really focused on students. It still amazes me how many times I see adults try to solve problems without talking to kids. And we have to give them a voice and let them be a part of the process. And, and I know that's something that really resonates with you. And that, and that story was a great example. 
Mm -hmm. And it's so important because it's, it's little things that make kids recognize that we care enough to ask them about. And so, you know, we can, we can solve lots of problems because we're educators and we know how to do things and we know how to, how to help. But just asking them does something that's really important. Just talking to them about it does something that makes a big difference. It makes them feel like they matter. And so we can make all kinds of decisions. And in this pandemic, one of the things that I was doing this summer was helping principals do reopening schools um, plans, no matter what their situation was. And it was amazing because the very first step in that reopening plan was to call parents that you never talked to about how their experience was in the spring. And I will never forget this story that a, um, that a, a principal shared. She called a parent and he said, I'm so grateful that you called me because I can't read and I have not gotten any of the messages that you've sent because everything that you've sent has been text or email and I just can't read it. And I'm too embarrassed to ask my son, who's you know a junior in high school at your school to, um, to read it to me. And so I just, you know, I just show it to him and so that he can be aware, but then he's not telling me what's going on. And I just so appreciate that you called me to ask And again, Greg, that's such a simple thing, but that meant the world to that parent. And that parent is now a huge advocate of whatever the principal says, because he knows the principal cares about him. That extends to students as well. You know, when I was an assistant principal, we had a problem with attendance and we had 85% attendance regularly. So 15% of our kids every day were not coming to school. And in order to you know, achieve our goals, we needed at least 95% of our kids to get there. And we did a lot of different things to make that happen. And we asked kids, finally, after trying prizes, attendance parties, all that kind of stuff, what they wanted. And what was really interesting was they gave us a ton of different answers. And none of them made any sense to us until we found something going through uh, all their responses which was that they wanted to be recognized. And so basically they wanted to like have somebody cheer for them. <laughs> and, and that's again, really simple. So what we did is we started announcing the attendance every day at 10 o'clock, an hour and a half after school started, all the teachers took attendance, we tabulated all the data, and then we announced who, who was winning uh, or who achieved their goal of 95%. And if a classroom or grade level, excuse me, a grade level got their goal, of 95% attendance, the class got to scream and cheer and hoot and holler and and it was great. And they were cheering each other and that's what they actually wanted. They wanted recognition, they wanted celebration. So they only were allowed to cheer for two seconds and then they had had to stop. So we announced it over the intercom, first kindergarten got 95% attendance, one, two, while they were cheering. First grade got 95% attendance, one, two, and then they would cheer. And, and that was it. That's all we did. We didn't do any prizes. We didn't do any other celebration. We took one minute out of the school day for them to be able to celebrate that they were all there. What happened with that, Greg? Of course, our attendance immediately went up to 95% and we stayed consistently above 93% for the whole rest of the school year and for four years following that until I lost contact with the school (laughs) with my connection there. And I don't know, but they were still doing it even after I left. That simple thing, we talked to the kids, we found out what mattered to them, and then we did something to support them. 
and it didn't cost us anything. It cost us, you know, maybe 10 minutes of the secretary's time of tabulating all that data, if that much. That was so amazing. Well, you know, I'm a fan and, and I love catching up with you. The time always seems to fly by when we get together and have these conversations. Yeah. The, the name of the book is School X. Uh, it would be a fantastic read for anyone that has an interest in education. Uh, it would be a great book study. Uh, you know, principals, superintendents, school board members, any educator, our parent, our student out there that has an interest in uh, really reimagining what schools look like. So kind of as we close, I want to give you a closing thought and kind of, you know, talk to my listeners as to why they should go out and buy School X and uh, how can they connect with you and really get uh, a little more information about your services. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the easiest way is reaching out on Twitter at Jethro Jones. My phone number is 801-7-JETHRO. So you're welcome to give me a call or a text anytime you want. That's 801-7-JETHRO. And I'd be happy to talk to you about that. And what I really think, the reason why I wrote this book the way I did, which is directed at principals, is that you know you can do things within your school because you are the leader in your school. You can change things there, regardless of what your district is doing, regardless of what the state is doing. You have that power to change some things. A teacher also can change things within her classroom. A superintendent can change things within her district. And what's really important is that you take the time to really think about who you're serving and find where they're at and go meet them and serve them. So love to connect with you and, uh, and help you do that because to me that is the most exciting part of education is meeting the needs of those who are right in front of us. Well, and that's well said and a great way to end. And thanks so much for being here. I always appreciate the time. Thank you. So the book again is School X, and you could get that at JethroJones.com, and you certainly want to follow on Twitter. Uh, it's a great read, folks, and you want to add it to your professional library. So as we wrap things up, once again, a big thanks to Jethro for being here. And remember, folks, always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite episodes. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins. You can also connect with me anytime via email at drgreggoins at gmail.com. So if you have a question or comment about an individual episode, or maybe you have a recommendation for future guests, I would love to hear from you. Also, anyone out there that has an interest in sponsorships on the Reimagined Schools podcast can hit me up via email again at drgreggoins at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, always do what you can to create better schools for kids. <laughs>